So have you ever been thirsty? Seriously thirsty? Like I ate my last five meals at a Chinese restaurant thirsty? Have you ever been thirsty like that? You know, I remember being in labor. That was like the thirsty moment. Because, you know, doctors have this great idea that you're going to do hard physical work for hours on end, and they're going to give you a little piece of ice from an ice machine, and then they wonder why you have a fever in the end. It's because they gave you a little piece of ice. And you know, sometimes our thirst can totally change your personality. I'm just going to say, when I was giving birth to that youngest son of mine and I said, I need a glass of water, and they came with that little piece of ice, you know what happened to me, right? Like I became the exorcist. I'm like, I want a glass of water. Don't give me the ice. And I remember sort of in that backstory, you know, that happens in the back of your head when you're occupied, but you're sort of aware of what's going on. I remember my friend Laura turning to the nurse and saying, uh, we need a glass of water. And the nurse saying, oh, she should only have ice. And I remember Laura saying, you want to tell her? And I got the glass of water, just so you know. <laughs> it all worked out. But that thirst, right, that need was so deep. That need was so urgent. I knew what I needed. But sometimes when we're thirsty, we don't know. We don't know what we need. Often, when we're thirsty for water, we grab a Coke. When we're thirsty for water, we grab a snack. When we're physically thirsty, we will do both of those things and then wonder why we're still thirsty. Sometimes when we're thirsty for attention, we act out. When we're thirsty for love, we make choices that maybe aren't love-seeking. When we're thirsty, we don't always recognize the symptoms of that thirst. And we know that being thirsty can be confusing. If any of you have experience with grandparents who get a little bit um, off-center and you find out later they hadn't had water in days, right? Thirst can affect us in so many different ways, can change who we are, can cause us to make decisions that we wouldn't normally make. And that thirst is sometimes hard to recognize. Yet for the people in Exodus, they recognize their thirst. Now we are, our reading today is chapter 17, but I want us to go back. We're going to go back to chapter 15. And the backstory here is that the Israelites have just crossed the Red Sea, right? God has been amazing. God has parted the sea. The people have gone through. God blows his breath across the sea, and the water covers 
the Egyptians. We've just had Miriam's song. Miriam and the people of Israel rejoice and sing about the majesticness of God, about the miracles of God, about the care of God. They celebrate God in their presence. God is moving. God delivers them. So now we're three days out. They've been walking for three days. They're back to the Red Sea. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. That is why it was called Marah. Marah meaning bitter. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried out to the Lord, And the Lord showed him a piece of wood, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. And then they come to Elim, where there are 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees, and they camped there by the water. God delivered them again. But it didn't stop them from complaining three days away from the Red Sea. But it's a long walk. And they might have been surrounded with some challenging uh, land features. And as, as Taylor said to me just a little bit ago, you know, he, he got on the sand dune at Kitty Hawk and suddenly was thirsty. Right? It was just the suggestion of no water and all that sand. Oh, powerful suggestion of thirst, right? So the people, the people were thirsty. Now, if you take a look up here, the red line on the west, if you follow, that's where the people have come through the Egyptian wilderness, the wilderness of Egypt, and they're moving south, okay, through that wilderness to the Red Sea, And if you take your fingers and you just say, peace, okay, there's the the peace fingers of the Red Sea. They have just crossed this finger of the Red Sea. So they're headed south. So you see where there was Mara and Elam, and now they're headed south to uh, Rephidim. And I keep wanting to say Rephidim, but that's wrong. It's Rephidim. And they're headed that direction, where our scripture takes up today. But on the way, you know, they've got God at their back. Oh, Moses, Moses, what are we going to eat? And the whole congregation complained against Moses in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. But you have brought us out to this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Did you see what a short walk that was? Right? What a short walk that was? No, wait a minute. We've been thirsty. And now we're hungry, and God is against us. 
I always, I always just love this story because this just, the whininess, right? I mean, you've got a pillar of fire by night and you have cloud by day and you have Moses who's talking to God and God is giving you encouragement and we're still like, oh, eat this, it's bad. And then Moses said to Aaron, now in here, Moses has talked to God and God has said, we're going to work it out. And Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, Draw near to the Lord. Draw near to the Lord. For he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the Israelites, they looked toward the wilderness, and the glory of the Lord appeared in a cloud. And the Lord spoke to Moses and said, I have heard the complaining of the Israelites. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. He provides water. God provides food. God delivers them again. And they start walking. And it's a challenging landscape. And it's dry. And every morning they collect manna. And every evening they have some quail. And it's kind of boring. Or maybe not. Maybe it's not. I don't know what you can do with manna. I'm not sure what it is. I don't think they were either. But they're being fed. There is water. There's a pillar of fire. There's a cloud by day. They're moving forward. Moses is talking with God. Then he's talking to the people. Or he's talking with Aaron, who then is talking with the people. And yet, we get to our next destination. And this is today's scripture. And from the wilderness of sin. Let's go back to that map. Oops. The wilderness of sin, if you see under where it says Midian, that is the area of the wilderness of sin. So, gives you an idea of where we are. From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages, as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water. And the people complained against Moses and said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children? I have to slide back. And livestock, to kill our livestock. So why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, 
What shall I do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand... What you don't see is that my screen keeps flipping backward here. What are you seeing up there? I'm just going to read to you. So what are we to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff in which you struck the Nile and go. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and the water will come out of it so that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Massah or Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? So here they are once again. We are in the wilderness, and we're tested and testing God. And it's a long road. And the people are walking at the back of God. You know, if you go back to the burning bush, if you remember Moses is told to hide behind a rock because he cannot look on the glory of God, but he will see where God has been when God has walked by. Maybe that was the problem for the Israelites. You know, they had no direct conversation with God. They didn't get to see the face of God. They got to see the back of God. We had the Red Sea, the great miracle. They walk forward. God is at their back. The water sweetened by the tree. They walk forward. The work of God is at their back. They pick up the manna. They consume it. God says, do not hold it. They consume the quail. It's gone. The work of God is at their back. Moses gets to have the conversation. They're not seeing God. They're seeing where God has been. Maybe that brought doubt to their hearts. Said here, draw near to God. They were walking away. God might be way out there. God might be back there. But they question Is God here? If we go to the woman at the well, I wonder, as we were looking at that scripture, I am struck by what Jesus says to her about water. 
If you look at this scripture, I'm going to start at uh, verse 9. And the Samaritan woman said, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, if you knew God, if you knew what God is doing, And who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink. You would have asked him and he would have given you the living water. She doesn't know. She doesn't know God. She's a Samaritan. Samaritans are known as one of the most devoted religious groups in history. There are still Samaritans today. She doesn't know God. She doesn't see God. Living water? What is he getting at? And the woman says to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Now, I love this because here we have this woman, which is by herself. Jesus is by himself. And what is the first shield that a female puts up? Sarcasm. Right? I'm going to put up the sarcasm. Sir, you have no bucket. And this well is deep. And where do you get that living water? And if you are greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it, are you greater And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give them will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life, to life in the age to come. And the woman's still sarcastic. So give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water from this well. She's still hard. In this passage, Jesus recognizes right away that she is not open to what he's telling her. She is not hearing what he's saying. She is not recognizing her thirst. And so he calls her to go find her husband, knowing all the while that she doesn't have one. And she meets him with sarcasm. I have no husband. And he says, I know. I know. This is one of those times in the scripture where I see Jesus as being that easygoing guy who is so full of compassion but will call you on your stuff. Because he says, I know. I know you don't have a husband. I know you're living with a man that is not your husband. In fact, I know you've had five husbands. I know. We're pretty sure that Jesus and the woman talk about a lot of other things as they go. Because 
the woman goes back to the town and she says, he knew everything about me, everything about me. But through his compassion, Jesus softened the woman's heart. And she was able to listen to him and listened to that offer of spiritual water. For God is spirit, and when you worship God in spirit, you are the worshiper that God seeks. He showed her her thirst, and he showed her the water in the same way that the people in the desert wandered from God, but God gives them water. And all of this is awesome, but what does it have to do with us? You know, we often walk away from God. I'm here on Sunday morning, and it is wonderful, and I am jazzed, right? I love to sing, and I love to praise the Lord, and I love to be with all of you because you feed my soul, you feed my heart, you feed my mind, and God does the same through you. And then it's Wednesday. Oh my gosh, it's Black E. Joel, you're making me crazy. Adam's truck is broken down. Where is God? It just took three days. I mean, really, three days to know that I am thirsty and I am caught up in my daily life and it is taking up all of that space and I am still thirsty like having eaten Chinese food every meal for three days. Jesus said, worship God in spirit. If you knew God, you would know what I'm offering. And we know God through spending time with God, sitting with God, praying to God, reading the word of God, telling and sharing, hearing the stories of God being amongst the people, drawing near to God. I encourage you, as you move away from today, to take time to draw near to God, to spend time in the scriptures, to share the stories, and to maybe write down your own. If you chronicled what happened on Sunday for yourself and you read it on Tuesday, would you be so thirsty on Wednesday? May the Spirit of the Lord be with you. Amen.